Welcome to the Health Design Podcast. I am your host, Moyes Jiwa. My guest today is Eric Lomonaco, Director of Diagnostic and Interventional Radiology at Community Hospital of the Monterey Peninsula, Pacific Grove, California, United States. In this interview, I asked Eric to focus particularly on his experience of improving patient care at the hospital. Eric Lomonaco, you're very welcome to the show. We are honored to be speaking with you today. And I wanted to start the conversation by asking you why you do what you do. Well, thank you. Um, Like many healthcare providers, healthcare is a privilege. And there's no greater feeling than being there when people are the most vulnerable. And it's it's not only a, a passion, it's a desire to just continue to do more. So tell us about an incident that kind of underlines this message for you. Sure. Well, well, going way back, the the reason I'm in healthcare is uh, I was 16 years old when my grandfather got diagnosed with cancer. And he really was my inspiration because I I was, at the time, I was so disappointed in the care that he received. And although I didn't know much about healthcare, I knew what it was to be kind to someone who who's vulnerable and who's sick and and who's dying with a terminal disease. And I was disappointed at that time uh, by the people in the white lab coats. I didn't know who everybody was, uh, but I knew my grandfather, uh, who was a veteran, was not treated very kindly. And and I just that inspired me to want to be the person in the white lab coat. So that's where it all started. Uh, Fast forward 20 20 years later, Mm -hmm. I'm now a director of radiology and was asked to improve our patient satisfaction scores and we used traditional methods. Of, um, at that time, we used professional research consultants to improve our scores. And it was really difficult as a manager to go to our staff and say, we need to improve the scores. And the staff was very engaged and said, okay, great, how? And when you get data six to eight weeks post-service, it's really difficult to answer that question. So after a while, I felt really bad because every staff meeting, I would keep showing these bar graphs and this data of, oh, we need to improve, we need to improve. But I really didn't know how, and I didn't know where we were struggling. And and that was really a turning point for me. And where things changed was uh, one day I was in my, my office checking email like we all do, and a friend of mine in the community called me and asked if I was working today, and I said yes. He explained that the uh, our children go to school together, that the class PTA president was in our emergency room saying very negative things on Facebook uh, about her experience in the emergency room. And it was real time. It, it was happening as we were on the phone. Wow. So he, he very kindly sent me a screenshot of her Facebook post, which was my husband's having a heart attack. He's in the emergency room. Nobody cares. This place is terrible. So I took the liberty to run down there and find the charge nurse and just simply ask, is everything okay with this patient? And she said, yes, he's having heartburn. He's going to be discharged soon. I said, well, would you mind sharing that with the wife? She goes, I would, but she's been outside on her phone. I said, well, I know what she's been doing on her phone. Look at this Facebook post. So I I just very kindly asked, can you just get the both of them together and explain what's happening and see if we can resolve this? So during that time, I came back to my office, logged into Facebook, and I was stunned to see all the negative comments coming in one after another about other people's negative experiences. At the same time? Yeah, at the hospital. And it really just disheartened me because I knew we were better than that. And then all of a sudden, things changed. It stopped, and the very positive message came out saying, 
thank you everybody for your love and support. My husband's fine. He's having chest pain. Uh, We're getting discharged. Everything's great. Then to my dismay, all the positive comments started coming in about other people's experiences at the same hospital. You would think we were talking about two different organizations. And it blew my mind because now, oh, yes, that place is great. They saved my child. They saved my father. They did this. They did this. And it was amazing to watch in real time on Facebook Mm. how people were communicating at lightning fast speed. And we're using a survey six weeks post-discharge to evaluate a patient's experience. And that stunned me. So I didn't know what to do with that. However, I knew something had to shift. My second experience, which happened not too long after that, is we did get a, a in the United States, we use CMS surveys, um, Centers for Medicaid Services. And this patient wrote that they did not have a pleasant experience in the CAT scan department. So by the time I got the information back and the patient's information, it was six weeks later. And I called them and to apologize and said, Mr. X, I, I'm so sorry, I just received your survey. And there was a pause on the other end of the phone. And he says, well, Eric, if you cared, you would have called me six weeks ago. And I hung up the phone. And that hurt because despite my best intentions and my good effort, the patient was absolutely correct. Six weeks, four weeks, a week is unacceptable for us to respond to patients. And that's really where I got my inspiration mm-hmm. is it, it almost made me not want to be in healthcare anymore because I felt like we were losing a battle based on the tools we were using. And there was no way for me to get in front of a patient in real time, FaceTime, um, to fix things or even to solve concerns before they became problems. Because after that six weeks, it's now a problem. So how do you create a system that allows you real-time information from patients? It it just so happened, uh, I happened to be, uh, to meet somebody socially who was, who is a consultant for the hotel industry, many big, well-known five-star hotels. And as we were talking, I mentioned to him that we're in the same business, except my patients don't want to stay overnight. The beds are uncomfortable. The food's terrible. And we charge four times as much as the Ritz-Carlton does. So what do you do to fix things when things go bad? And he says, that's just it. Everybody's empowered to fix it. If your mattress is uncomfortable, we'll switch the room. If you don't like your pillow, we'll get you a new pillow. If the room smells funny, we'll fix it. And I thought, wow, wouldn't that be amazing if we can do that in a hospital? If in real time, because everybody's needs are different, you may be perfectly fine with a pillow in your bed, but I may not be. The temperature may be great in your room, but it may not be for me. I may have a hearing problem and won't mind the elevator or the ice machine or the linen hamper keeping me up all night, where that may not bother you. So how do we create an organizational-wide system to solve everybody's problem when everybody has a different, unique perspective and a different need? So I'm the person who used to, every morning, walk around the department and shuffle the, the cushions and fix the magazines and make sure we're ready for the day. But I don't know if that was important to a patient, but it was important to me. So after having this conversation, uh, we collaborated and decided to come up with the QR code to gather real-time feedback of what patients are experiencing in the moment. So I strategically placed the QR code with messaging that says your feedback is important to us with the QR code. So with your smart device, you can scan the code, send us an instant message, and it comes to myself and the management team. 
So if, for example, this is a true story, we had a 90-year-old woman use the QR code who did not have a good experience with our receptionist. She said the receptionist was rude. She rolled her eyes at her because she was late for her appointment. Now, the patient, who was 90 years old, said she took a cab and the cab was late and it wasn't her fault. Why should I be treated this way? The beauty was I was able to respond while the patient was in the waiting room and said, I'm Eric Lamonico. Here's my card. How can I help? She pointed at the receptionist and said, this person is rude. The receptionist apologized, said, I'm so sorry. I'm having a bad day. I said, well, your bad day is not her bad day. And tomorrow's a new day. Let's try again. Ever since then, I never had to approach that person again. In fact, that person went on to get her MBA in healthcare because that experience was a turning point for her of what the patient's perception is. So as I gathered over 3,000 responses, I started to categorize where our problem or our biggest concerns were and can I fix those. So we started with the easy things first. It would be nice to have a blanket. Wow, the blanket warmer's around the corner. Why don't we put one closer to the machine? We learned that our patients weren't being very well prepped for appointments. We learned that we have multiple locations and patients were getting confused of what location to arrive to. So our no-show rate was averaging around 5 to 7% for CT, MRI, and ultrasound. And we also discovered in radiology that we don't do a good job explaining what's going to be happening to the patient. You and I can talk about CT and MRI and calcium score, but the patients don't know what that is. So with all this information, we took the program to the next level. And now everybody who's scheduled gets an email from me, personalized, that says, thank you for choosing Community Hospital, because how often do we thank our patients for coming here? Very rarely. So thank you for choosing us. If you have a pre-appointment question, click here. If you would like to cancel, reschedule your appointment, please click here. If you would like to watch a video explaining your upcoming procedure, click here. Or if you need driving directions to the location, click here. And almost overnight, we saw things that I'd never even dreamed of. Uh, you know, I have permanent tattoos. Is it okay to have an MRI? Or I'm on this medication. Is it okay to take that with contrast? And it was so powerful to realize all the things we were missing in basic communication. It was so exciting. One of our radiologists, Dr. Philly, wanted to be added to the distribution list so he could respond. And Dr. Philly will respond to patients on the weekends, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Because if you don't know if your MRI is authorized on Monday morning and you just took the day off of work, are you going to come? Probably not. So if I can confirm that authorization and what the copayment is on Sunday night, guess who shows up on Monday morning? And that's a true story as well. My best story is we had, a, we had a patient who had multiple missed MRIs, and she got the email. And she wrote back, and she says, the reason I never show up to my appointments is you don't have wheelchairs in front of the building. And I just had my foot amputated. How am I supposed to get from my car to the front of the building? And I very naively said, well, ma'am, we have free valet parking. Why don't you valet park your car? And she said, honey, I live in my car. I'm not about to let anybody park it. And I just felt so terrible that I made that huge assumption that anybody could use valet parking. So I said, I'll tell you what, you show up at the second level of the parking garage. I'll be in a dark blue suit with a wheelchair. Would that help? And she said, yes. 
I said, I'll even save you a parking spot. Great. I said, is there anything else I can do for you before we hang up? She said, how about a caramel macchiato? So we laughed. Now, Friday, nine o'clock, I'm down in the parking garage with a wheelchair in a parking spot reserved. She pulls in, gets out of her car. I get her in the wheelchair, take her right to the MRI scanner. As she's getting her MRI, I was having a caramel macchiato made. And when she opened the MRI doors, there I was standing with the caramel macchiato, and she sobbed. She cried. And in front of the whole team, she said, I feel like I'm the CEO of the hospital. And I said, you are. I took her to her car. We hugged. We had a wonderful chat. And this woman had 13 missed appointments because we never had a way for her to get from her car into the building. Eric, people listening to this might think to themselves, well, I'm a busy CEO or I'm a busy administrator. I don't have time to answer every call personally. What would you say to them? You know, we all have things to do. Yeah. But if we lose sight of why we're here, they won't have those meetings to attend anymore. So to me, this is, this is our number one priority. And, and I've stepped out of meetings several times when a patient experience, uh, when I get a message, an alert from a patient. What do your staff think of you doing this, Eric? An added benefit, something that I didn't realize, is I think the staff has more respect for me and the management team doing this now than ever before, because we're taking, we're taking the hard conversations off their shoulder. When we have a disgruntled uh, patient at the front desk and they're raising their voice at the staff, we're intervening in real time and diffusing the situation. And to me, that, that is leadership, right? If, If you can take the hard conversations and diffuse that and make that situation a little better, I just think that is such a wonderful attribute for your leadership to demonstrate. I'm thinking about this in practice, and I'm wondering how your family might think about you taking calls at weekends or in your on your evenings when you're with when you're with them, and your your time is really your own. And yet here you are taking calls from patients. I'm averaging around five to seven calls from Friday night to Sunday evening. And most of them I could respond via email because they're very simple. It's, um, what is my preparation for the CT exam? I know that by heart. I can just simply hit, from the app, I can hit reply to the patient and just type in that prep and they write back, thank you, got it. Very rarely do I have to pick up the phone call. And if sometimes the patients respond on a Sunday and their appointment's not till Wednesday, I'll wait for Monday morning because I know I have two days before they're coming in. So I'm just triaging as things come in based on the priority. If somebody calls, I'm, I'm in distress, I'm having an appointment at 6 a.m. on Monday, I'm going to pick up the phone and call. But to be truthful, most of the requests I get are very reasonable and legit questions. Eric, I think it's fair to say that not every complaint is going to be legitimate. And on the other hand, those that are may be actually directed at a staff member who's struggling with their job on that day, or perhaps has lost interest in their work, or perhaps there's something else that's going on that might be distracting them. How do you engage that staff member with a real-time complaint when they are in the heat of the moment? I just take out my phone and I'll say, uh, hey, Mary, how do you want me to respond to this? And I'll let them read it because it had just happened that moment. They can't say, I don't know that patient. I don't know who it is. 
And then if the next day or the next week it happens again, I have the same conversation. Hey, Mary, your name popped up again. Are you okay? And then the third time, now I have something as a manager. I have something in writing. I have three documented, time-stamped incidences that it's very easy to walk over to human resources and say, I think we need to move on to disciplinary. Mm-hmm. So you can't argue with patient experience. It, it's real. It's, it's in the moment. And unlike when I would get a survey, if I went back to that CT tech and said, hey, do you remember six weeks ago? They would think I'm crazy. No, I've scanned 200 patients in six weeks. Of course, I'm not going to remember Mr. X or Mrs. X. And they're right. I wouldn't blame them. So what we do is we share, uh, we have daily huddles where our group gathers every morning at 8 a.m. And we share, uh, the first question we ask is, what did we do well yesterday? Well, guess what? I have a whole log of wonderful comments from the patients that they remember because they were just that night or that day or yesterday. And we all grow from that. We all learn from that. Oh, yeah, you know, Mary rubbed her feet. We got her a warm blanket. We bought her a cup coffee. I saw the nurse pushing a patient to the car. That was amazing. Thank you so much. And now I don't feel it's a disciplinary tool. I I feel it's a compliment tool that we're just keep growing and keep adding. And then the staff will bring ideas. Hey, Eric, would it be okay if we bought some music for the holding area? Because it's really quiet back there. Absolutely. Hey, Eric, can we get a a Netflix account so our patients can watch videos while they're waiting in, in the gurney? Absolutely. So they're now engaged in bringing positive comments. And the the best part for me is, as you know, things always don't go well. And it's a 50-50 relationship, right? Sometimes the patients are unreasonable or have unreasonable expectations. Sure. The staff will now use the QR code to send me a message to say, hey, Eric, you may get a note from so-and-so. This is what happened. They were two hours late. They expected us to get in right away. We offered to squeeze them in at nine o'clock. Unfortunately, we couldn't do it till 11. We did the best we could. I understand. Thank you so much. Because now when that person calls, I have a background and I have a history. And the first thing I'm going to say, were you two hours late for your appointment? Yes, I was. Well, we're going to do the best we can. But we're not pointing the fingers at each other. We're all in this together. To give us a better idea of the volume of calls that you take and the type of calls that you get, can you mention what that looks like for your department, Derek? In radiology alone, we see over 140,000 patients a year in my department, or in, I should say our department, not my department. And, you know, the percentage of complaints we get is 0.01%. That to me is pretty remarkable. The number of compliments we get, I'm probably getting one compliment per every three to four patients. And that, to me, is pretty remarkable. And the rest, of course, say nothing. You know, it's, it's middle of the road. Can you say something about how this developed in your organization? How did this culture of calls take off? And how did it then evolve into the kind of success that it has become for you? We just started to say, our patients will tell you exactly what you're doing wrong for them, because that's all that matters. They don't care if your computer's slow. They don't care if you two people called in sick. They don't care if you're running short on supply. They just want to be cared for. And isn't that what we all want? If we were on the other side of the table, my needs would be very different than yours. I just want my needs addressed. And that's exactly what they're telling us is, is what we can fix. Yeah. My biggest problem right now 
is parking. And I'm having a really hard time getting enough parking spaces because patients are sending me notes saying, I'm in the parking garage, I'm late for my appointment, and I don't have, I don't know what to do with my car. I said, take a breath, pull up to the valet, I will park your car for you and meet you in the MRI. Because that's what's priority for them. And, and we have to make it easy for our patients. They're, they're under enough stress, as you know. In reality, it's unlikely that you're going to be able to help every single person who makes a call and satisfy every uh, patient who, f- who looks for your advice. So how do you square that circle? How do you come to terms with the fact that you're not going to be able to help everyone? Well, as you know, there's always going to be a percentage of, po- of patients that you, you can't help. You know, and, and I've had my, my fair share. And, and you do the best you can. And my opening line, because sometimes patients will say, well, five years ago and seven years ago. And, and I just look them right in the eyes and I say, what can I do for you now? Like, what do you need right now in this moment? Well, my husband's late for work. You're running behind. I said, can I pay for a taxi? Yes. Okay. You call your husband. You tell him to get to work so he's not late. I will pay for a taxi. And it's almost five o'clock and I'll treat you to dinner on the way out. Would that work for you? Yes. We've just diffused the whole situation, the whole energy that's coming up just by asking somebody, what can I do for you now? And I use that all the time. And it's so powerful because we all get lost and we start spinning out of control of of everything that's going wrong. Um, Just this morning at eight o'clock, I got an alert. And unfortunately, our schedulers assigned a patient to the wrong location for an ultrasound. And I learned later she's been trying to get pregnant. She's really overwhelmed and stressed. But as she was yelling at me on the phone that we screwed up, which was true, I said, and she took the day off of work and she's already prepped and her bladder's full. Just re- I could just feel her energy. And I said, are you able to come to the hospital? I have two ultrasound techs here. I will get you on that scanner as soon as possible. Would that work for you? She said, yes. I said, great. I'm in a brown suit today. I'll meet you at the front door. I want you to avoid because I know you're uncomfortable, but I'll have a fresh water bottle there for you when you arrive so we can get your bladder full before your 11 o'clock appointment. Would that work for you? Yes. She came up 15 minutes later. I was standing at the door. I welcomed her with a bottle of water and a coupon for free lunch. I walked her right to registration. We got her registered within three minutes and she was sitting there comfortably. They took her in. She went out to have lunch after and she shared over lunch all her stresses of trying to get pregnant and how stressed out she was and she didn't need this. But in the end, she gave me a hug and said, I'm so grateful you were here. That was it. It was our mistake. We owned it. We apologized. We had lunch together. And I said, here's my card. You call me if you ever decide to, if you choose to use us again, I want to be your personal advocate. It was so powerful and so amazing. Is that changing the whole hospital system? No. Is that changing our whole scheduling department? No, it's just owning our mistake and giving her what she needed in that moment. As we come to the end of this interview, Eric, I'd like you to think about perhaps one message, perhaps one mantra that you are recommending in the pursuit of excellence in the way that you have framed it, which is to really provide the best care that you can by real-time feedback from your patients and by responding in the moment when they are experiencing the difficulty that is 
impacting on the experience of your service? What would that mantra be? I think there are millions, uh, maybe that's a, an exaggeration, but at least hundreds of opportunities every day for each of us to make a difference. Whether it's buying a stranger a cup of coffee, whether it's helping somebody carry somebody with their bags, whether it's greeting our employees with joy and enthusiasm. Yesterday, I worked the front door of the hospital welcoming people. Primarily, my intention was patients. But as staff walked in, I said, welcome. Today's going to be the best day of your life. And I high-fived them. And they looked at me kind of puzzled and stunned. And one person says, thank you. I needed that. You know, it's that daily reminder of this is a privilege to serve. And, and we can't forget that when we get locked in the day-to-day of charting and documentation and budgets and timesheets and disciplinary probation. It's if we just did one kind thing every day as providers, that's going to give us joy. That, that's going to bring us, we all got into healthcare for the same reason, is we care. It, it's I, For some reason, I felt like somehow along the way we got stifled of doing what we all chose to do as a profession, which was to give back to our patients and, and relive that joy. I always tell every new employee, don't forget your joy. Don't forget why you're here. And if you do, come talk to me because I want to remind you not to forget your joy. Maybe that's the mantra. Don't forget your joy. Eric Lamanaco, it's been a joy speaking with you. Thank you. The Journal of Health Design. Better health by design. Visit us at thejournalofhealthdesign.com. <laughs>